0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Product Innovation Show, yet another episode with your guest host, Sergey Ross. And I'm here with Lissy Suits, who's a product manager at Verif, which is a verification engine. She's been a PM for the last few years, working on automating identity verification process. Lissy, pleasure to have you here, welcome.
1: Pleasure uh, to be here and talk about some of the things that I'm working in and about data, data world and AI world
0: we will talk a lot about it today, but the first one that I want to start with this one. Your first job entry on LinkedIn is a fraud intern at Skype. How did you end up there?
1: So basically, um, I have family connections uh, with Skype and when I finished high school, yeah, I uh, was looking for places where to go for a summer so uh, one of the things that was uh, really hot during that time uh, was skype and i ended up in the fraud team Uh, i think and from there kind of the passion around the fraud and the passion also around data and looking at patterns has increased because there i saw really that frauds you catch the fraudsters through uh, patterns and how to find them, how to automate them, how to build it up. So yeah, I think uh, everything started from there and it was really first great experience uh, into the world of, of fraud and uh, bad people in the internet. But like, yeah, but like all the other first jobs, uh, I think I didn't do so much to like interesting things. But what I mostly did was data entry, entry um, on, uh, on the chargebacks <laughs> and basically after the uh, two months that I was there eventually the guys automated the process that I was doing. So in that sense I was in the other part um, of, uh, of the world where I'm right now. So right now I'm working on automating process but at that time I was the person doing the process who afterwards was automated. So uh, nice thing to see where the world is growing, like my job as an intern went away after that.
0: Well, you know, the, the, you know they say, and, and you, you, you told me before that the best way to, to, do, to, to build something is to fake it till you make it. So at first the human is the one that pulls the strings and then maybe there's somebody else or something else behind the curtain.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think like a lot of the AI system or automation, automatic systems are not like so clever, but they are trying to automate piece by piece, the easy things that are possible. Um, And sometimes we cannot do everything fully as human does, but we can do 90% of it, then it's a lot of the times already really great.
0: You're now um, PM on the other end of the whole uh, the whole spectrum your ai your ai product manager at verif what do you do there
1: yeah so in uh, verif uh, verif is a startup in estonia in reality we're like going to scale up already so we have just did a series c uh, like i mentioned before we are in uh, Identity verification world, it's really hot to rot. Uh, everybody wants to know who are you talking to in the internet, uh, making sure that the internet is a safe place to be. So we are also working towards that. Um, but basically, to simplify what we are doing, so if you are uh, going across a border uh, from one country to another, usually we have a, a border guard. And the border guard looks at your face, look at your passport or id card or whatever you have with you they try to understand if the document is really real or you're trying to fake it and you're trying to understand if you really are the person who are you are telling that you are and entering the country so this is what we are basically doing also in verif and this is the job that also humans are doing a lot and we are like piece by piece automating that process so uh, to scale up and one of the really crucial things is to also automate because this means we do not have to hire tons of people or tons of uh, board guards basically Uh, and then i am there trying to figure out what are the things process for doing this kind of work that humans are doing what are the pieces that we can automate uh, and how to make sure that we most efficiently use the automation side and human side, because both of them have really good benefits. So I think they kind of support each other.
0: Right. So is the, Lisa, is the idea to use this software for governments or not only governments, it could be anyone, any company that needs verification?
1: government example is just a nice example because every, I hope most of people have gone across the border and uh, done this. But uh, for example, if you want to open uh, a bank account, then uh, you would need right. to go to uh, the uh, office of this bank to really get the bank account open. But why can't you maybe open bank account uh, without going to there, but doing virtually? This is exactly one use case. Uh, like to open bank accounts and like to open wallets like this is really like Bitcoin wallets or crypto wallets it's a new big, big topic I was gonna say yeah crypto, yeah and it's a new big big topic like we don't have like I would say like the biggest uh, crypto companies who are have the wallets in them do not have offices in each country but they still have clients all over the world so how would they get the clients they do this verification of their uh, clients online. So we are working towards that. And yeah, there are a lot of of different use cases uh, where you need to tell you basically who you are. And I think they are growing uh, step by step as we want to make also internet, like I said, safer. So it would be like glad to know who is commenting uh, under in forums that maybe sometimes um, some people uh, can,
0: um, be like bots,
1: gladly use basically the, this freedom in a sense that in some cases is right. good. If you know ahead, who are you talking to? And this is the places where this verification of K KYC process can be added.
0: Lots, lots of use cases, of course. Uh, now you wrote two articles on medium, which I, I like them both. But I want to start with the one, I think the last one that you wrote, or it was the first one, it's probali- probab- probabilistic versus deterministic world. Let's talk about the concept. What does it mean? Prob- probabilistic, I'm having a hard time <laughs> pronouncing that, and deterministic world. And we are looking at it as from the product manager perspective.
1: Yeah, I I have described I've like uh, been working with the like automation and AI and machine learning a lot in the past years, and I have seen uh, how that's it, regular product managers uh, who are mostly working with UIs or like not so much with the data itself, uh, being part of the product, that um, how we are thinking differently. And this is one of the things, how I see how to describe it, that one, one the, uh, I'll start with the deterministic word is that we always know what will happen. So you can tell that if I click on a button in a UI, I will end up in the next page. Or when some data right. is entered somewhere, then it will end up in database. So a lot of the times when we think about classical software engineering, then we have these kinds of things that are already told to us, that product managers, uh, uh, if they're thinking about the product that they're building or writing tasks to the engineers, they usually write these kinds of things that I want this user story to happen. Where the probabilistic- If basically, yeah, it's if it's yeah, it's basically if then. So if something is there, then do this. And yes, exactly. This is the user stories. It's how you write the user stories. I as this kind of person want to do these 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 things, and how you do it. I if I push this button, I reach the next page. But if you go come down to the probabilistic world, uh, this is the mindset that there is no if else. That there is, basically, the if is something uh, that is not always known. Let's let's take an example. Uh, Mm. I'm mostly working with uh, pictures. Uh, so also picture looking at pictures, understanding our videos, understanding what's there. So, uh, so my viewpoints are also, uh, determined by that, but, um, uh, what we are working on is that I see a picture is do something if there is a face, but like the if is basically, if you see a face or from audience side. like translate this from english to i don't know spanish if you feel that it's english but how do you feel that it's english how do you see that it's english Um, these are the things that we as humans are kind of putting together in our mind but there is never like deterministic thing that it's always this or it's always that so when we are talking about probabilistics there is we are solving the problems in a mindset that it's never 100% if and else. It's always, we kind of try to get most of the use cases solved with our um, product that we are building, but we're never ever getting 100% of the things right. So if I want to know that there is a face on the picture, I already know I can't 100% of the times know that it's a face or it's another face. So, when I think in the probabilistic world, I as a product manager need to understand that I cannot have the product 100% working like like we want to. So, I need to start thinking what are the kind of percentages where I want this product to work, what is useful to work. And a lot of the cases, I think was also really important is to focus on um, what happens if I get wrong. So what will happen there? Because we know kind of really, really kind of surely that at least when you're first starting to build a product, you always have mistakes. And what will happen when the mistakes happens? What will happen with the product, the user experience? then so yes. uh so, they, so if, if, we take,
0: Lisa, if we take the if we take example of english into spanish translation so you have an ai that you would teach to get a feel quote unquote of okay let's say 70 percent probability ai thinks uh, this is english then in that scenario would that the logic go to if then so if let's say we determined 70% threshold, that means yes, then do this. And if no, do that. And then if wrong, if, if the AI actually became wrong, then it, probably further down the line, it does something. Is this the way that to think about well, it? Yeah,
1: so to think about it is also, like I said, the if-else is always there. So uh, when you do enter to google then it's guessing the language if you do google translate i mean from english to spanish it tries to um check the uh, check what language you're trying to enter so it's trying to guess uh, usually what language there are in this suggesting to you um it works a lot of the times correctly but this what is there is that usually there is a model or algorithm that tries to guess what language it is and then it's exactly the same else that we have on regular software engineering, which is if it's English, do this. If it's Spanish, do that. But the question there is that underlying statement of what from where you get the if true or false. So basically the if, sent, if sentences, this is a probabilistic word, and you cannot 100% be sure that something happened. And one thing to, Take into account why 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 it's in a sense harder talking about the problems, um, or talking when the machine is not working the way you want is that you don't know you cannot know if the machine today right now is working wrongly or not. Um, You are have to build the system in a way that if if it's you don't exactly I would say like uh, um, maybe good example is also. Mm animals, if you try to show the show the um, model animals and it's trying to learn animals. And if a new animal comes in, uh, for example, they know really well lions and tigers, but if a giraffe comes in, it would just categor- maybe categorize it also as lion. But you, during that time, you don't know that they categorized it as lion. Uh, you have to have it somehow figured out. In Google Translate example, It has all suggestion that I think it's English or I think it's Spanish, but you can always overwrite it. So that for example, is how Google has solved it, that people who are using the tool can overwrite it. Uh, So these are the things just, yeah, you have to take into account that you cannot be 100% sure, uh, that the things that you are suggesting are really correct things.
0: Well, in other words, all of it comes down to that if you are AI product manager, it's a lot, a lot harder than the regular product because everything is, in a normal product, you have degrees of probability, but here you have degrees upon degrees of probability.
1: Yeah, I think like that. that's exactly the thing. Like how, also like what degree you want to this, uh, this input basically from that model uh, that Like, it's really all we like to say that we have to be 100% accurate on everything and everything has to be there, but you have to do trade-offs and a lot of the time. And also the more better model you want, the more accurate model you want, it harder is to get that. So maybe you even just need a model that is kind of getting it right. I don't know, 70% of the times it's better than 50-50 so maybe it's already solving your problem so kind of understanding where are you using the model is it already okay that you are like a little bit improving it uh, and uh, not putting too harsh uh, uh, like also requirements for that uh, product that you're basically building
0: Lisi, i'm going to ask you a very simple question which is uh, um just to understand how would you think about it? If somebody asks you, how do we make a machine? Do what a human can do in AI context? What do you what? How do you start thinking about it?
1: Well, first, uh, it's definitely understanding what the humans are doing, what they are looking at. So making their task into smaller pieces. And and then i think it's kind of has been the standard and now that a good ai task to solve is uh, something that humans can do with one second it's like if i can do something with one second it's really good thing to do but now the question okay, is if we have, yes it's so simple that basically a uh, machine can do this kind of good validation but a lot of the things, are like if we talk about verification, uh, th- that uh, is the passport right? It's not one second task that humans also can do, some of them maybe are, but how to split the task into the one second subcategories then that humans are doing, and how to split the tasks into logical pieces that the machine can uh, solve, and human and also is like logical to humans if you want to incorporate both of them. Uh, because humans are really good at having broader understanding and doing a lot of logical connections between things. But machines are not good at it at all. So if you are they have a new use case that they have never seen before, that for humans might be a really, really logical way to solve something. Um, they don't know it. So it's one thing to take into account all the time that how to split the task into smaller pieces. For example, in um, our case, uh, like it taught me to document verification. Um, one of the things that it, it seems stupid for humans to think, but it's like, first we are looking at, there is a picture, is there even document on the picture? Then we are looking where is the document in the picture, then we are looking what document it is. Oh it's this is US passport and this is I don't know German driver's license like, and then we are going into like aha we know the document we know where it is, then we check okay but where, where is the first name on the document okay we check that and then we read out the first name from the document. So this is like the step-by-step small things that we're doing.
0: A lot of steps.
1: A lot of steps, yeah. But for humans, it's like, I see that document, it's first thing. <laughs> mm. Okay, maybe it's, if it's new document, you don't know it. But uh, it's kind of uh, it's hard to, hard to tell uh, what is going on uh, and why, or like hard, hard to at least first grasp what are the things that are there that we have to take into account. I think the same with probably uh driving a car like if you are driving a car you're so used to driving a car but you don't have you don't think that okay in reality where is the road where are the road borders where are the other cars oh there is a human is the human on the crosswalk is the like one thing to it is i think really hard um if talking about these kinds of driving use cases it's hard to determine what is the intention of human. I think this is like, um, if you are, uh, are on, this, on the world itself and seeing how what people are doing, you kind of understand if they are like looking at you and going over the road or what they are doing. But if you're looking at it from the camera, a lot of the times it's hard to tell what is the intention of the person. It's kind of the gut feeling we have when driving or like oh there's another driver they want to pass me you kind of get the gut feeling how they're moving but i think we're getting there but like you can see that all the small pieces where are the details where people are moving we don't think about them every day they're somehow in our minds and combined together but right now we're building these things we have to basically make all of it into pieces and understand how our brains are working in reality in a sense
0: well we don't realize so many things like you said that we don't we do completely subconsciously and then you actually need to 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 show the machine to teach the machine how to um, actually how, how to actually it's supposed to think about it uh quote unquote now i'm gonna ask you this i'm curious what are your thoughts there has been reports that apple is planning on launching their fully autonomous vehicle by 2025. Do you think that fully autonomous vehicles could arrive that early or it's going to get pushed until later? And maybe if you don't know specifically about Apple, if we look at autonomous vehicles in general.
1: Yeah, I think uh... Yeah, I'm not sure. That, I'm yeah. I'm, I think I'm not sure they are autonomous fully present everywhere. I think they can be autonomous on some places. Um, for example, if uh, I assume they are they are U.S. companies, so we are talking about U.S. Yes, so yes, okay, yes. Um, yeah. So they are like you can see traffic there. U.S. traffic is a little bit different. If you go to Italy italy drivers are working a little bit different and if you go now to india or some asia countries you can see the traffic is way different there so i think they cannot be 100 percent autonomous in that sense uh, so yes i think we ca- if we optimize the problem into smaller space that we want to be in us when there is some standards of uh, how the cars are driving a lot of the us most most of the U.S., they're not like uh, so much um, smaller st- streets in a sense that, for example, we have in Europe, where you're driving in old towns. So it's a lot of like broad streets and it's a lot, lot of suburbs In uh, where, for example, again, in Europe, maybe we don't have these kinds of suburbs or not. So I think if you optimize the problem into this space, I think they can uh, reach that. this would be like really u.s specific and maybe with some other places it wouldn't really work
0: Mm. but two but the other one is there's been these conversations for a while and i think they're not going away that ai is going to take over the world the machine's going to kill the humans uh, quote unquote (laughs) and and the world is going to end and then elon musk has warned you there's lots of videos like that on youtube there's lots of conversations like that among the ai people what do you think about AI taking over? Like, is it really overblown? Is it people not understanding that we are really far away? Oh, just curious to know what you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think we are really far away. Like I just mentioned before, you have to right now really specifically tell what the machine needs to do, and you have to build tons of different things on top of it. Um, I cannot right now see in like near future that that would change. Definitely, we can take the AI or automating things can take away a lot of jobs. Uh, For example, the job that I did uh, when I was first intern, like exactly the thing. We don't need that somebody person. We just create the model and it's easier. I think what will happen is that creating those things will go way cheaper and way more uh, widely used that we still don't use widely all of those things. It's kind of like, I think it's said it's a new internet, Uh, the AI things uh, that basically all the industries in the world can be shifted and changed from factories, farming, all the jobs that, a lot of the jobs that we are doing every day in the offices. Um, So uh, a lot of it can, shops, like probably we don't need so much shopkeepers anymore. Do everything self uh, self service and also checking that people are not s- s- like uh, stealing anything. So we can do all of the, these things with automation. But yeah, I think uh, today it's a little bit is too far away, so it's not uh, mm-hmm. happening in the next next years.
0: Right. Um, I want to ask you about unhappy flows are more important than happy flows this was something that you talked about uh, this was one of the articles on medium that you wrote it was around ai development what are unhappy flows what are happy flows how do they interact and why one is better than the other
1: yes yeah, so like you mentioned before what will happen if we don't get uh, the machine does not do the thing that you wanted so uh, These are the things that a lot of the times, uh, like they happen in in the regular software engineering also. So usually it's incident or it's some big bug, but with machine learning, you basically know that, for example, 10% 10 of the times, I'm always wrong. So it's kind of like the percentages of getting something not correctly is way higher. and usually when you start up building something, they are higher and then slowly they get smaller, the uh, ways uh, where you do mistakes because you kind of can patch things up and, and mm-hmm. also make the models better. But why I think it's important is exactly that what will happen when you don't get to, like, you, a person gets to unhappy flow? Um, is, is it, how problematic is it for the person? How you s- solve that case because a lot of the times we want to like we did happy flow testing and everything work but what's there important is that pretty big amount of people go to also to unhappy flow and you need to figure out what to do with that flow or how to handle those people um, so um, so for example if uh, what, I, what example I can think of. Um,
0: uh, well, maybe, uh, something that came to mind and, and you tell me if that's, uh, actually makes sense, uh, blue screen on windows comes up. I don't know if it's still around, but that's what it's been, uh, what it, what it's been, um, known for, uh, number pops up. Hey, call this number.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. These are the things you have to think about. Basically what, what would happen if, if something breaks? Uh, but like, yeah, one, maybe one thing is, is, a good example is like, um, I don't know, like, you have some app that is recommending books for you. So you have to think that there is two ways things can go wrong. For example, Sergey, you want to read some books. There is two ways. So first is that uh, you get books that you don't really like in the review if you're scanning for books. Another way is you get books that you basically would like to read or are suitable for you but you can will not get them in the list so you as a product manager need to a little bit figure out what is the better case first to do so should i recommend to sergey books that he doesn't like um, well it depends i would say most of the time no because like otherwise you wouldn't use the service if you get like too many random books i recommend it to you yeah. Um, uh, but if we will miss suggesting you some books, you will never know because you can't get them to list. So it seems way simpler that, okay, let's agree that this is the more unhappy flow that we like and the other one is less unhappy flow. So these are the things to think about. What are the unhappy flows we like more? Why it's important? It's really way easier to create the model that prefers one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because of this implementation and how you will build up the product, and it's way easier to like the perform better. So these are the things to think about. Uh, uh, yeah. now,
0: now we talked. Uh, now we talked, Lizzie, with you about biases, um, and that conversation could be uh, an episode in itself. Um, and we specifically <laughs> talked about that. And and you brought up that excellent point that AI algorithm by its nature is biased because people are biased. We'll have certain experiences in life that make cre- create a certain view of the world. Then we uh, write the algorithm or AI algorithm, and it actually inherits the certain biases that we as humans have. How does that? Do you, can you actually create an algorithm AI that is unbiased or? there's always going to be some degree of creator's bias in it.
1: Yeah, I think bias is a really interesting topic. It's really a lot of talked about, but there is not a clear definition like what is non-biased uh, model because that depends uh, where do you use it. Uh, So, a lot of the cases, the biases come up because we use the model in environment that is a little bit different to where where of the data that it was trained for from. So, good example, I think, children are really, children are basically models. So, if you take an Australian child and ask them, when is Christmas, a three-year-old, they probably will tell you Christmas is when the sun is the highest and it's the hottest. And if you to ask somebody in Europe, that's okay. Three-year-old, when is the Christmas? It's when it's the coldest and when it's all the time it's snow. Does it mean that like the like who is biased now? Um, depends where we're using it. So I wouldn't say that the uh, Australian child is is wrong. No, they are not wrong. They're just biased towards where they their environment is in. So. Um, and the same thing is with all the models like you mentioned yes we are all biased this was a good example how chi- children are biased in everyday life yeah. we feel biased uh, with topics like discrimination and um, and uh, the stereotypes so we feel the bias and we see it but it's like so it's inti- inside ourselves that is also going to the algorithms in a logical way or like because we are building them. It's just that it's easier thing to point to a model that you are bad rather than the human that you are biased. For example, in uh, most of the tech companies in, uh, in the world, uh, engineers are male and most of the times. So are, are all the engineering companies bad because they don't have 50% of female and 50% of male? Or they basically they are biased towards male, uh, mm. but why? Because in the environment there is basically more just men who are going to engineering school, so it's kind of interesting topics because we could call it discrimination, um, but the question is, is it discrimination? So, yeah, I think we are always looking that the that the, our uh, models are performing well in the environment that they are it, they should have like the data from the environment and uh, that the uh, model was built with so if you build a model with the same data usually and exactly from the same distribution it's it's uh, this is where it's great if they get shifted uh then it gets uh, harder but i think it's also uh, yeah maybe last comment like it's also good to think that everything is biased like ourselves but the main thing is that we are most of the time like like doing everything correctly that the mistakes are so small that we are doing also as humans that we are doing mistakes that it's not really influencing everyday life so so this i think right. makes us also um, good that we acknowledge this, these things, yeah. and we most of the time work the way we
0: do. You were, at least you were describing the bias and uh, and you, you talked about the countries and something that came to to my mind right away. I'm, I'm originally from Ukraine, uh, right now based in Canada, you're in Estonia. In Estonia, like there's always this uh, stereotype that you guys are a lot more relaxed. You're not in a rush. Uh, so uh, if I, you know, if somebody follows that stereotype, of course, it's quite dumb because it's it's, it's not true and it's very general. Uh, you're like, well, you know, if we develop an app for Estonian people, then it will, which we is it doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to be responsive. It can be a little bit slower because you're you're on a siesta mode all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think it's good bias uh, in the sense that. You have some understanding who, how we look like or or what we how we act, uh, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's correct for everybody. We have also really fast people, and maybe exactly it's uh, it's right. uh, it's biased. We think Finnish are really slow, so it's <laughs> <laughs> so it's always going to the north. I don't know where Finnish will tell who is slower, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> that, that that's where there were that's where the Christmas is the coldest. For sure. And Sweden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they will still the sweeter, uh, sweeter, newest. but yeah,
0: it's, uh, Lisa, any final parting thoughts that you'd like to would love to leave the audience with anything around AI, anything around product management, maybe advice uh, for product managers or anything that uh, I haven't asked you, but, uh, you wish I did.
1: Yeah. I think maybe that's. um, uh... I think it's really, really growing topic. We need way more uh, product managers who are, who are working with data science uh, and machine learning, and we call them now as AI PMs. Um, um, they can come from bo- both ways, from data science, people learning how to be a PM, or a PM learning how to do uh, data science, so learning the methods. So I think right now we have really, really good uh, already um, topics regarding how to um, learn how models work, how to build models. So definitely can check out them in Coursera and Google them. Um, We don't yet have really good standards in the world around how to do AI product management, how to do AI product model building. these are growing we all probably when, when like the software engineering came into play I don't know when it was how long it took them to find scrum now everybody's using scrum but probably it will take us as from me i said also way longer scrum doesn't work really well with uh, ai product management so one thing yeah to take into account with that is that the life cycle of getting something ready from the AI side is way longer. And it's a lot of the times unknown. So it's not that I have a roadmap that in three weeks we have this model. Because a lot of the times it's like, okay, I need three weeks, but I don't even have data. Then you have to look for data. Then you have to annotate the data. So basically label the data so that the model would know uh, what to learn. And this might already take three weeks. Plus afterwards, you might realize that, oh, the task that I gave is not doable for the machine. Like I said, the one second rule, it's kind of rule. Um, maybe this, this is too hard, so you cannot, uh, cannot make it work. So I think the unknowns in this field is way, way bigger. It's growing fast. So it's really, really interesting. But I think right now it's kind of like, okay, we have this thing, how we make it work, but there are not really good practices yet how to do the AI product management.
0: Fantastic. Uh, uh, Any other resources, Lisa, that you'd recommend people to check out beyond Coursera? Anything that you found uh, helpful for yourself that um, maybe would be worth looking at? Maybe books, courses, audiobooks, um, anything that would make sense.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there is. Okay, I will uh, There is the deep learning AI. I, would, oh. I
0: was Sorry. gonna say you're gonna you're gonna look it up.
1: Yeah, I looked it up. I was just uh, double checking that I tell it right away. So I would suggest uh, deep uh, learning AI. AI courses. There is a lot of courses. The first is AI for everyone. So uh, if you uh, want to understand what is working, they will go there. And they are telling a little bit how things are working, uh, what are the different roles, uh, what kind of data you need. So I think uh, starting from there is like the best resource there is. If you don't want to go really in depth into mathematics and technical things, So I think there is also borderline that the product managers, well, you could learn how mathematically everything works. I have learned it in uni, but I think it it doesn't give you too much um, advantage on being a good PM, that from PM side, you need to know how the things go together. One of the things you need to help out the team with so that they can uh, work with the, uh, give you a product. So there are a lot of other things. Also, that you as a PM, uh, like we talked a little bit about metrics and understanding the bad workflows, but uh, right. or unhappy workflows, but uh, you cannot tell somebody that hey, please tell everybody that if they're wearing a hat that do these things, or like find give me a model who detects hats. Because a lot of the things what you have to do is yourself look at the data and tell this is a hat and this is not a hat. This is a hat and this is not a hat. Because when you are in this role now, you cannot have the user story. You have to have the data. So data is really important. Also you looking at the pictures, video files, describing what you need. And like I said, metrics. So what are you really the things that you want to achieve? So metrics are really important. and. If you have better understanding of some basic machine learning and data science, uh, quality metrics, it's uh, easier for you to make the work uh, better.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Lots of, lots of great takeaways. We will link all the things that you, all the resources that you uh, suggested, Lacy, in the show notes, so, uh, if people could grab it. And uh, we will also add a LinkedIn profile for uh, your profile that if anybody wants to connect, they could do so. Thank you so much for an interview. It was, I mean...